Thursday, February 22nd. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show. It's great to have you back here. We are all collectively in a holding pattern, waiting to see what exactly the 49ers do with their defensive coordinator opening. Obviously, when that happens, we'll get into whatever happened. I lobbied for Bill Belichick as much as humanly possible. I don't think you can find a better answer than that. We'll see what the 49ers do. I know it's a little bit of a pipe dream, but I'm kind of a pipe dreaming kind of guy. In the meantime, though, we're going to deal with what is actually in front of us. And for the first time in a long time, like we got a sporting event that's in front of us. We got Warriors and Lakers tonight. And for the first time in a long time, I want to talk about the state of the Golden State Warriors as we open up today's show. Another short, sweet show that doesn't waste a minute of your time. That's what we're going for here on the Plus. How much time do the Splash Brothers have left in the pool together? When you think about the success of one of the most significant backcourts, maybe as game-changing a backcourt in terms of how the game is played in every gym in the world, as, as evolutionary of a backcourt as I think we've ever seen in the NBA, how much time do these guys actually have left together? If we really do think this is it for Clay, the answer could be 29 games. Because the 29-game sprint to end the year officially begins with the Lakers at Chase Center this evening. And if the Warriors aren't a playoff team, that might be the last 29 games that we ever see between Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Now, them being a starting backcourt is something that could be going under a little bit of a reconstruction right now. I know that Steve Kerr liked what he saw bringing Clay off the bench at the end of uh, play before the All-Star break. And Clay Thompson coming off the bench is something that they've been selling to Clay since the All-Star game. And we'll see if that doesn't hold pattern against the Lakers this evening. Um, Going to be interesting to see how exactly it ends and if indeed it does end, and what an offseason of Clay Thompson looks like to the rest of the NBA, who would be interested at a price that he would be interested in, a walkaway price from the Golden State Warriors, what would be a he's willing to stay price? What Clay Thompson's value is to the NBA is going to be one of the harder calculations for any general manager to make, whether you are Mike Dunleavy and you're trying to evaluate what Clay means to your franchise, or another general manager in another city trying to evaluate what Clay could mean to your franchise. It is a tough equation to figure out. It really is. Kerr is talking about Clay coming off the bench. Whether he is off the bench or not, however it goes down, what we do know is that. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry have played about 100, 650 games, regular season games together, and then another about 150 postseason games together. Um, the success that the two of them have together has been remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Four championships together, and these guys have been through it all. They have seen every aspect of this league thrown at them, including the painful rehab of major injury. Obviously, this applies to, to Clay more than it does Steph. But these guys have been through so much together. The good-natured, doesn't worry about a thing, don't worry about Clay Thompson, 
that guy kind of vanished this year. In the past couple of years, you can just see him being uncomfortable, not in his own skin, but in the skin his body now lives in because his body changed greatly due to the, the massive injuries that occurred to him. It affected his game. It affected his psyche. It affected his joie de vivre. And there is a grumpier, less patient, more anxiety-filled Clay Thompson remaining than you would have expected to ever see Clay, especially this late in the game of his career. You know, aging gracefully is something that I always had him pegged for. Unfortunately, his aging process got accelerated by his injuries. Again, the two of them have been through it all together. They have seen this entire league and everything it offers. All the spoils to the victors, all the pain and anguish to those who've been vanquished, they know everything about this league. And it will be a, a painful reality when it does end. And like I said, appreciate it while you got it, because its end is close. Whether it be 29 games, whether it be 29 games and whatever playoff participation the Warriors have in front of them, who knows if this goes into another year between Steph and Clay Thompson. So just a little appreciation for two guys who have done more to change the value of a franchise than maybe any other two guys ever have. And we got to put Draymond Green in here, but Draymond is left out of this conversation because his future with the Golden State Warriors with his new contract is assured, right? We don't need to worry about his future, although worrying about Draymond Green is like a cottage industry unto itself. We all know that. This team went from a laughingstock, non-competitive franchise to six NBA final appearances, four championships, a brand new stadium in downtown San Francisco, an evaluation now that has them the most valuable of all NBA franchises, more than the Lakers, more than the Knicks, and who would have ever thought that that would be a reality available to the Golden State Warriors? First name Stephen, last name Curry, his running buddy Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, for a minute there, Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Kevon Looney, they have changed the destiny of this franchise as dramatically as what Babe Ruth did the New York Yankees. It's not that far away in terms of here's where you were as a franchise before this guy or this group of guys, and here you are now. The New York Yankees were a baseball team. Babe Ruth came. They turned into a legend and one of the biggest global brands in the world. I don't think Steph Curry has operated much differently than Babe Ruth has in terms of changing the arc of a franchise. That's how important this guy has been. He's just an extraordinary player. His teammate, Clay has been an extraordinary teammate. I mean, the ultimate Batman and Robin. They really worked so well together. How well they work together now is one of the reasons why you got to go 20 and 9 in your last 29 games to really be thought of as a playoff team. I mean, it's not going to be an easy road to hoe to get this team into the postseason. So let's see if they got it in them. Let's see if they can do it. Nothing 
is going to be easy. Red Jet Shell, feeling frisky. Dub Nation, stand up. Beat LA. You hope. Michelle Haberman, can the Warriors please beat the Lakers tonight? I mean, we got a LeBron and Curry double overtime classic just about a month ago. Let's see what we get this time around. Again, Warriors don't have much time to waste in terms of putting games in the win column. They need to do that. What you need to do is patronize my patron saint. My man Ike is the sponsor of this channel, so much so that this is really the Damon Bruce show brought to you by Ike's Lovin' Sandwiches. He even said if it takes changing the name of the restaurant to Bill Belichick's Lovin' Sandwiches, he's willing to do that. This man wants to win, and I want you to have a great lunch, which means today I think you should get a Jamie Sirewich. It's one of the best fried chicken sandwiches you're going to have out there. It's got a little golden barbecue sauce on it. I like to add some jalapenos to that. I like to spice it up a little bit. Um, I do like banana peppers, but not as much on the Sire Witch uh, as I do put it on other uh, other of Ike sandwiches. Uh, I'm going to call no tomato, little lettuce, and red onion on a Jamie Sire Witch. And God, now that I've been talking about it, I might have to get myself a Jamie Sire Witch either today, tomorrow, for lunch. I start talking about that sandwich. I want to eat it. You start thinking about that sandwich. You're going to want to eat it too. Eat it at Ike's. Get it at Ike's. Get it delivered. Download the Ike's app. Have points, a, 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 a cure points that give you free sandwiches. You cannot argue with these things. Download that Ike's app and eat at Ike's today. And I also want to let you know that it is officially time for Plus Mania 3, The Revenge. It's going to happen at the Halfway Club on Geneva. Halfway Club, 1166 Geneva, March 3rd. We're going to start at 4 o'clock, right when the bar opens. So come on out, support my buddies, their new bar, support the channel, get together with this incredible community, which has done real-world supporting of each other. We've had children born. We've had parents lost. We've had siblings lost. I mean, we, we've been through a lot together and not even a year's time together. We've all gotten to know each other so well. Hopefully you plan on coming out to Plus Mania 3, The Revenge, at the Halfway Club, March 3rd, 4 o'clock, until question mark, baby. Great food, great drinks. Come on out. Support a great local business, a couple of great local businesses, The Halfway Club and The Damon Brew Show. I hope you plan on joining us. It'll be great to see you there. I saw that, you know, coming out of the uh, the All-Star game, there were questions about, hey, Steph, how much longer do you have in this league? And Steph basically said, look, I'm at the age where retirement is without a doubt out there. You can see it. You can feel it. But he's not close to it. He says that he's going to keep on going, and why wouldn't he? This man is a 10-time All-Star. He's averaging 28 points on 46.2% shooting from the field. He is 42% from downtown with four and a half rebounds and five assists in 50 games so far this year. Steph Curry has still got it big time. He's incredible. He's incredible, and I really do believe that the shape that he has kept himself in and just his game, his game is not predicated on ridiculous athleticism, although he's an incredible athlete. The amount of miles that he runs in just a basketball game is, is amazing. But it's not 
predicated on how big he is, how physical he is, how high he can jump. This man has skills that should allow him to age gracefully in a sport where aging gracefully is not available to most. So Curry is not going anywhere, and he is playing some unbelievable basketball. If a few Golden State Warriors, Jonathan Kaminga, Brandon Pajemski, Andrew Wiggins, I'm tired of pretending that you're about to do something that makes me proud of you, but do it. Now's the time. Andrew Wiggins, you spent the entire year crapping on your own reputation. You can change everything in the last 29 games of the year by finally whipping it out and showing it to everybody. Let's go. Let's play some good basketball. Let's stop turning the ball over and stepping on each other's dicks all game long. Play organized basketball. Knock down your shots. Get out of the gym with some wins because you're playing some defense, getting some rebounds. I want Trace Jackson Davis in the mix. Get him in the mix. Obviously, I'm a little biased there. 29 games left for the Golden State Warriors this season, beginning with Warriors and Lakers Chase Center this Thursday night. I saw a story on ESPN.com today about why the Warriors train has jumped the tracks. Really? Okay, well, first of all, their train has traveled on more tracks than most teams that pretend their dynasties ever get to travel on. Like this whole, the Warriors have wasted Steph Curry's prime is ridiculous because Steph Curry's prime is behind him. And while it was behind him, they went to six NBA finals and won four of them. They have done an extraordinary job as the era-defining team in this league since, what, the San Antonio Spurs run of excellence? I mean, what the Warriors have done, the amount of winning that has just become so, eh, I'm not even impressed by it anymore, is extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. The whole, like, they haven't done enough is ridiculous. They've done two Curry MVPs, four championships, six finals appearances. And, you know, the final that they lost to the Cavaliers is going to sting forever. And then the finals that they lost to the Toronto Raptors has to do an awful lot with massive injuries to Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, which are the fork in the road of where things really started going off the rails for the Golden State Warriors. Let me try not to bump the microphone like some rookie. By the way, if we're being completely honest, I was up early this morning. The coffee went on early. We're past any sip of the day. But if we have to have an official sip of the day, there it is. So all bets are final. It's good, but it's under-temperatured for an official sip of the day. Let's be totally honest together. I never want to lie to you. It's today's sip of the day. It's not the greatest sip of the day I've ever had. The Warriors have won more than anyone, longer than anyone, in a stretch that they can be proud of and not have to explain away. But if you were really saying, like, why did the Warriors not just keep on reappearing in the NBA Finals in perpetuity, there are three things which, hey, the Warriors tried to give it a shot, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Number one, Clay Thompson's career-altering injury is why 
the fork in the road, didn't just keep on winning. Clay's two years away were devastating. Number two, Kevin Durant allowing Twitter critics to steer his career more than the desire to just play winning basketball every single night you go out um, altered the Warriors' true chance to compete for a title. If Kevin Durant had never gone to Brooklyn, never gone to Phoenix, but had shown up in Golden State and said, this is where I'm ending my career, there is another championship hanging in the banner somewhere, somehow. There is no doubt in my mind. Kevin Durant totally fucked up the Warriors' plans, maybe more than any one choice, because Clay didn't choose to get hurt. It just happened. Kevin Durant chose to leave because the internet was mean to him, which is such a bitch move. It really is. Um, and, and then the third reason why the Warriors just didn't keep on trucking was because James Wiseman was nothing short of the single worst draft pick in the history of the franchise. He really was. What they needed out of him, what they hoped he would be, and what he turned into, it was a disaster. James Wiseman measured at what you wanted out of the pick, what you were hoping for, where you were as a franchise, and what you're left with when it's all said and done. He's got to go down as the worst draft pick in the history of the Golden State Warriors. Fair or unfair, that's what it was. He was a road back to you keep on competing or it's a total missed draft pick and you blew it. Those are the three reasons why the train, which traveled on the tracks for a very respectable amount of time, might have leapt off the tracks. But it ain't over and done with. Or maybe it is. I don't know. 29 games remaining in this year should be very, very fascinating. I don't know if you saw this NBA story that I want to get to real quick. Did you see that Matt Barnes got fired from his broadcasting job with NBC after an altercation that stemmed from his kid getting a technical foul in a high school game? Total Pro Sports says that Harrison Barnes went to watch a high school basketball game and got into it with a referee after one of his sons was assessed with a technical. But Barnes, who... He's always had a reputation for being a bit of a hothead, right? Uh, Barnes also went in on a student who was manning the school's online broadcast and threatened to slap him after putting a hand on his shoulder. Like, you know, I like Matt Barnes. I've had Matt Barnes as a guest on my show several times. And when he's not in... Draymond pissing down his own leg angry mode. He's a great guy, but boy, can he let his emotions get the better of him. And you can't let your emotions get the better of you in a high school game while you're arguing with high school officials and you're the former NBA player and you're six seven, six eight, and towering over high school kids that you're then threatening to slap. Like, come on, Matt. Come on, dude. Aren't we doing the uh, who's got the most to lose in the room here math at any point in time? So Matt Barnes is not a part of King's pre or post game any longer because he had to yell at a high school football game or basketball game. Excuse me. It's that's it's moronic. It's moronic. 
little bit of baseball for you on a day where we're waiting for the NBA to give us some results to actually talk about on a show about sports. And we'll have that tomorrow, obviously. And we'll be waiting to see what the 49ers do with their defensive coordinator position. But uh, we got games actually happening. Scottsdale, what's starting tomorrow, the day after this weekend, we got officially got Major League Baseball spring training games all around. You know, I took a look at the Giants lineup and just how it looked on paper. For being totally honest, it's not the worst lineup in the world, but the San Francisco Giants are going to be playing under conditions that are going to be very, very tough to meet. Here are the conditions. As long as everyone has a near career season while nobody gets hurt for a single game, not a single at bat or a single turn through the rotation, everything should be fine in terms of you being a 500-ish team that might make the playoffs. Again, everybody have a career year, nobody get hurt all at once, 162 games. Good luck with that. I mean, this includes young players like hitting the ground running right away and never looking back. Like Patrick Bailey's got to be incredible. Marco Luciano's got to be incredible. Jung Hu Lee basically needs to be Ichiro in the leadoff spot from day one. Let's see if he can even hit major league pitching. There's a huge assumed about to be good with him that I don't know we should just assume Jorge Soler, again, he needs to hit 35 home runs to justify all the strikeouts that he's going to put in the middle of this lineup this year. Michael Conforto needs to stay healthy and play at a near all-star level all year long. The Giants need late-night Lamont to be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They need J.D. Davis to become a household name here in the Bay Area. J.D. Davis on the tip of every child's tongue. J.D. Davis, my favorite San Francisco Giant. They need Estrada. They need Wilmer Flores to both just have remarkable seasons where they're versatile plug-and-play pieces that can play anywhere in the infield for the Giants. They need uh, Michael Yastrzemski to have just an amazing year at the age of 33. Just incredible. And if all of that happens, then all else that they need to happen is Camilo Duvall be the best closer in all of baseball while Logan Webb wins a Cy Young, while Kyle Harrison needs to be regarded as the best young pitcher in the National League without even another name to really even talk about. That's how good he is. While, what, Jordan Hicks and Keaton Wynn and Tristan Beck all live up to billings that they've never lived up to at any point in time in their incredibly young, untested careers. Good luck with that. The the San Francisco Giants' slogan should be, good luck with that. 2024 San Francisco Giants, good luck with that. And if it is, good luck for every man on the roster while nobody gets hurt, while Bob Melvin doesn't make a single wrong decision all year long, could be a great year. (laughs) Look, it's baseball. You know, the team with the most star-powered lineup doesn't win automatically. Sport's weird like that. So I'm not going to declare the Giants dead on arrival. They might be uninteresting on arrival, but they can play themselves into interesting. And again, you look at that lineup and you go, 
maybe, maybe, maybe. That's it. maybe that should be the slogan. 2024 San Francisco Giants. Maybe, maybe, kinda. <laughs> What's your rallying cry this year? 2024 San Francisco Giants. Maybe, kinda. <laughs> God. So remember, everyone, Plus Mania, March 3rd, which is a Sunday, 4 o'clock at the Halfway Club. That's our own little fan fest. I want to wrap up today's show by talking about the A's fan fest, that A's fan groups, the Last Dive Bar and the Oakland 68s are going to be hosting over at what, Block 15? at Jack London Square this weekend. I'm going to pop in for an hour or two on Saturday to support this incredible fan-based effort. Um, you deserve a better franchise. You deserve a better owner. And you deserve someone less petty. And there's no way the A's will ever be anything that even comes close to resembling less petty. And today is more proof of that. With a, sequen of a sequence of tweets that I've been attached to, I have found out today, this morning, that the A's appear to be pressuring some of their partners to walk away from FanFest. You sons of bitches. If this really is coming from inside of Dave Cavill's office, I hope he gets into a fucking car crash. I really do. Last Dive Bar shared, and I'm just going to share the tweet with you. Last Dive Bar said that we have some unfortunate news and are disappointed to announce that Drake's Brewery has pulled out of their sponsorship only three days before Fans Fest. The last dive bar in the 68s have incurred expenses purchasing sponsor banners, a digital marketing package. They've rented equipment to set up Drake's beer booth and are now left with no Drake's beer to serve and banners will have to be recreated and printed just days before the event. They were our first beer sponsor and we were so thrilled to announce them. The announcement of their support and the sponsorship of Fans Fest was very well received by the Oakland 68s and last dive bars combined 30,000 plus followers across social media platforms. Unfortunately, to see that support not come to fruition is very, very disheartening. These fans don't deserve another beloved community favorite turning their backs on them. Now, the question is, and again, I don't have any proof of this, but some people have said that there have been other Sponsors who've been pressured internally by the A's to pull out who have not pulled out. If Drake's is pulled out because the A's threatened some sort of business relationship for this, we are just at the event horizon where I'm starting to root for Fishers to like die. I mean, like I just I I, I can't. There's they're, they're the worst, the absolute worst, the absolute worst. That is terrible. That is terrible. If that is actually real, it's terrible. So I just, I, I, I can't believe it. I cannot believe that the A's would stoop to something so low where that they would be trying to undermine the success 
success of two fan groups who even bother rooting for your sorry no-account asses anymore in a city that you're trying to abandon, you're looking to put up roadblocks to have people just get together and say, hey, isn't it great to root for a team that literally shits on our face? If that's true, that's terrible. And Drake's, if that is true, fuck you. Okay? And I smell an opportunity for some other local brewery to swoop in here and be an absolute hero. Some brewery, some local brewery, I don't know who you are, swoop in and be a hero. Drake's, go fuck yourselves. And I hope the rest of you have a wonderful day. I really do. We're going to hop into a little Club Plus, see what you're all talking about. In the meantime, let me just tell you that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.